Hi, I'm Dale Sherbeck, and welcome to the HQ, ICHA Learning and Healthcare Can podcast serial, where we dive into healthcare issues and topics from the perspective of its people and discuss them with those that are leading in the health system. Together, we'll try to unpack these topics and learn what actions are being taken to innovatively solve them today. Welcome back to my conversation with Tony Bennett and Steve Ashton as we continue the conversation about Canada's health workforce data. I mean, I think that sort of leads to some other questions for me as well. And, that, you know, one is that I know in conversations I've had with you over the years, Steve, you've been one word that you use very often is the word benchmark. Um, and, right. But I think the other one, I think, as you've both been alluding to, is this is the issue about, you know, forecasting. So, um, so maybe building on what you've just been talking in terms of, I guess, what our current data sets are, what are potential uses of it and, and the questions about design, where did those two words, I guess, come in and, and how do you sort of see them here? So um, maybe I'll throw it back to, well, let me start with you, Tony, maybe, and get your perspective on that. Yeah, well, I mean, the benchmarks, um, again, I'll, uh, I'll draw the parallel to the compensation side, right? Um, you benchmark against yourself and we do this with our own too. You look at your overtime rates, right? Are our mm -hmm. overtime rates higher, low? Ours are higher compared to what they were pre-COVID two years ago, whatever it happens to be. So for ourselves, we know we need to take some steps to try and, and, and address that. Part of that is digging into the why. Mm -hmm. But the benchmarking also goes in and we look at is our experience similar to what other organizations are seeing across Canada in that is that something that we've just experienced on our own? And as we go through and even look at the recent survey and that sort of thing, we suspected it was no, we were suspected that others were dealing with that as well. But, and, and we've seen that over time has increased in other organizations, has it? But then we can start learning from that as well. You know, has ours has our overtime rates, um, as you said, benchmarked? Are we are we higher or lower? Why? What can we do? What might we be able to learn from Steve? Because Steve's overtime rates have potentially only gone up, you know, a couple of points, where ours have gone up many points. So, Steve, what are you doing? Like, what right. what are some of the ideas that you've done to kind of help reduce it? You know, and, and again, it gets that conversation and conversation and curiosity leads to solutions, right? Mm -hmm. And and by that learning, it's it's not like it's not like we in AHS are competing with Steve, right? It's it's a little that's where it's different from the compensation world. We're not competing with Steve on on the solutions or the people and that sort of thing, but we can share the learnings so that there's that that mutual broader benefit to 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 those that rely on the healthcare system so so from that perspective as another way to kind of go through and learn by building that knowledge out nationally we can bring it back to our own organizations to improve which ultimately has that benefit on the on on our patients and their families at at, at the end of the day so the benchmarking is 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 key. It's 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 necessary as as we're going through and and looking at that as a, as a learning tool. It's any part of 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 organizational performance management is is kind of being able to go through and, and benchmark around that. Um, as to the forecasting and that again, just drawing on our experience, 
starting with walking, right? Let's mm-hmm. let's if we've got a good base, then we can start thinking about what are some of the projections and forecasts and 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 that sort of thing. But we've got a lot of questions to answer and a lot of work to do, even to kind of look at that base. You know, even as we saw going through through that the last workforce uh, survey, right? What we call a, 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 a head count is not necessarily what Steve counts as a head count, right? So there's some of that base base um, language mm-hmm. that, that we need to kind of go through and set. It doesn't mean it has to be our way or Steve's way or, or Gary's way, um, but it's just a co- common understanding of, of that language as we're talking so that when we are having those conversations with each other, that we can help that we do have that opportunity to kind of go through and understand and then learn. Thanks, Tom. No, I would agree 100%. I mean, um, you know, the way we look at benchmarking is very much the same way that, that Tony looks at it. It's, uh, you know, it starts with, well, actually, I always think it starts with the question of, I'm in a car, I can't see out the windows, I have no dashboard, I have no mirrors, and I actually don't have any any motion detection that gives me feedback as to whether I'm moving, <laughs> let alone what direction I'm driving in, whether I'm going to hit something or not, et cetera. And you know, when you start from that basis, it's kind of scary. Um, so whatever you can start with is a good is a good thing. And pick one metric if you're starting from scratch, and pick one metric and start, but explore it. Like I would encourage somebody not to get a scorecard of 50 metrics to start with. No. I'd say start with one and just work that muscle because, you know, take to your point benchmarking and and all those those things you know benchmark is a funny one i would say yeah absolutely internally benchmark i mean if you're in an improvement culture um you you want to start by first of all getting better than you are to get better you also kind of want to know well what is good right mm-hmm. what's good in my context but not only in my context what's good in other contexts we talk about being high reliability organizations in healthcare um, but there are other industries that have been at it way longer than we have if you know, if you actually want to compare safety records and discipline and culture, healthcare is not your top one to go to. I wouldn't go to healthcare if I was wanting to. You know, I would be talking to you know, nope. in some cases, the airlines, the nuclear industry. Um, there's a lot of other uh, high reliability organizations that have developed an incredibly rigorous culture. And it's not because we don't want to be safe and healthy, but you know, for whatever reason you want to make up. But all that to say. So I like to look at internal benchmarks. I like to see how the rest of my peers are doing across the country and talking to them and comparing notes and finding out why somebody's better or worse than we are. And it might be that we're measuring it differently. You know, I'll give you a really small one, Tony, that came up in our conversation on Oc Health. And we were looking at some of our stats and we were doing really good in Nova Scotia. I'm trying to figure out, well, why are we even better than our peers next door? And so it was one thing to have the conversation about how we were doing against other peers in Nova Scotia. But when we went to other provinces, we had to take into account that with our workers' compensation system in Nova Scotia, there's a two-day wait. Uh, so the first two days don't mm. count. Now, suddenly, the question you ask yourself is, how does that skew my stats versus a province that starts on day one? So you know, it's so you have to get inside of it a little bit and understand it. So suddenly, that might have skewed the data altogether. Yeah. But it's still, you learn something from it. And then you go to another industry altogether. And you know, for, I could say, why is the construction industry safer than healthcare? I mean, the weirdest part is, as you do the stats, healthcare is one of the unsafest um, industries to be in in Canada, which would shock most people. And when you ask yourself, did you realize that construction and fisheries have done more for safety and the oil and gas industry has done more for safety um, in the cultures and has fewer accidents in healthcare in many cases? Um, So, you know, those are the things that also provide, I will call it, very 
very insightful elucidation as to where you really sit in the world. <laughs> and and that that reality check is, is is no judgment to start with. It just says, now I understand where we're at. And now when somebody tells me that we're doing great, I can say, we're doing okay for, compared to our peers, we're doing better than we were last year, but we could be a lot better. And that just helps inform the conversation. But then the second piece is, as you say, you dig into it. I, some of the best conversations I have was when our quarterly scorecard comes out and I share it with my people leadership team. And, you know, you'd think that they're all on the same team. They would, they would have the same insights, but an HR consultant or somebody in staff scheduling, or, or then you go talk to your clinical managers, will tell you stuff that will just completely change your thinking on a particular, what moves a particular metric or what's causing you to go in a certain direction. I find that awesome. And it just creates better conversations. It creates better policy as you move forward. It creates better support systems. Uh, I just, it, it's why I get kind of pumped and excited about it. Uh, and you can actually measure whether you're making a difference. And uh, it's way better than sitting in a car with, you know, no windows, no dashboard, et cetera. <laughs> so, so speaking of getting excited, so, I mean, you both describe yourselves as, you know, as, as people who get excited and curious about the data. So we've established that you, you see the value in it, but what is changing with respect to how others inside your organization are treating this as well? So has there been any, you know, changes in terms of the way other healthcare leaders, your CEOs, your COOs, right? Others, other leaders that you're working with around your, your leadership tables are looking at HR data today that they weren't three years ago. Yeah. I'll just jump in, Steve. I, I want to build on what you said before, you know, that, you know, today alone, you've dealt with three, three requests for, for workforce information or, or that as well. Um, ours is very similar, right? Um, you know, before, uh, before COVID three years ago, um, we would, we would get a lot of requests for what's the information, what's the story kind of behind this. Um, mm -hmm. that's, that's just grown exponentially as I think the organization, um, they've always known, right. The old cliche, you know, of our people, right. Are, are what drives the business that makes us successful. Um, but, uh, as we've gone through and as we've faced some of the, the, the various workforce, um, challenges and such that we've had. Um, they've realized that they've, they need that, 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 that foundational information, um, mm -hmm. at least, it, and then not just that, but they also need the story behind it as, as well. So um, much like you, Steve, we, we had, we do our best on trying to go through and provide not just the data or the information, the numbers, um, the stories, but it's, it's become a, a big challenge and we're trying to find ways to, um, you know, uh, uh, teach, teach the people to fish, right? So mm -hmm. that um, they can go and find some of that, that base information and then come to us and help. We can help them um, figure it out or what does this mean or what are the forecasts or projections, that sort of thing. So, so it is shifting how we're try also trying to shift how, how, how and when people are coming to us. And I think that's a shift in the organization as well that, you know, again, I'll circle back to, to the importance and the, the, the value of that good foundational um, evidence that we've got or on for our, around our workforce. Yeah, and I would echo, I mean, I'm, I'm excited because the conversations we're having about 
health human resources and related questions is yeah. probably never been more prevalent and not just for the people who are always interested in it to your point you know your ceos across the country are asking for it um your politicians are paying attention mm -hmm. to it i mean when, when yeah. a politician is is you know in the house talking about um you know the importance of not only that we have enough healthcare workers but they're they're pushing that we want to ensure that we have healthy and feeling safe we're having conversations about equity uh, in 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 healthcare and data to back up and inform and shine a light and and improve and change and bring real change and obviously you know one of the things I'll give credit to healthcare we, we talked about the plethora of data but I mean the one thing where healthcare always was very sophisticated is more on the patient safety side and the you know obviously the research into what you know improves outcomes and finding HR at the same I would say getting very close to being at the same level in the organization today is really exciting because I remember when I came I used to say you know, patient safety is up here um, and staff safety is down here. And that would just be mm -hmm. a small example of, of just the slightly differential way we looked at, at our own people versus the patients and families we serve. In no way do you want to reduce the focus on improving patient uh, safety and patient care. But we've now changed the conversation about how we to do that. You absolutely need to ensure that those who are providing the care and those who are supporting the ones who are providing the care that you've got enough of them, that they're healthy, they're safe, they're well, and they reflect the communities that they're there to serve. And that is, you know, we're at a place today where we weren't 10 years ago. And that's kind of what keeps you going is, you know, not just the data and getting excited about the data, but is it telling stories? Is it helping influence policy and planning in a way that changes people's lives for the better? That's the kind of stuff that gets you up in the morning. Yeah, so the, the light bulbs are going off for some people in terms of what, you know, perhaps some things that have been they've been told for some time. Um, right. And even I think even the story that you just shared, Steve, I mean, the connection between um, healthcare worker safety and the safety of patients are actually connected too. so. Um, and but so I mean, yeah, if people are starting to see these things as being important and how they ultimately shape the success of our businesses. Um, right, and the provision of our services, and that can only keep leading us in the right direction. Um, so speaking of, you know, politicians and such getting excited about data, um, you know, I mean, even I think it's the survey that you've described, both of you have referenced that we did at Healthcare Can, um, you know, in the fall, and that sort of tried to give us a sense of what was happening nationally. In, in the undertaking of that, we were getting a lot of different comments back from our members saying, um, we'd like to participate, but I'm overwhelmed because I'm the ministry is asking me for this. I'm, I'm, my CEO is asking me for this, like, everybody's asking us for data now. Um, right, the number of requests that are coming suddenly. Um, and so they're trying to balance all of that. And I'm, I suspect that, you know, you can both attest to that and you specifically, Tony, who you and your team are having to answer those requests. So yeah. what are they all trying to solve? Like, what is what is the point of all this? Like, what is the collective problem that we are trying to solve through these kinds of requests? Yeah, I think one is, um, well, thinking about some of the questions we're getting now, it's it, the question is, you know, help us define how big the problem is, mm -hmm. help us connect that to um, what happens when this problem isn't solved, um, you know, then help us understand why we have this problem 
and help us understand what things could improve the problem. So whether let's just take vacancy rate, for example, which is the first thing on our on our report. And, you know, it says is we, we based on our survey nationally of all the participants in it, the average vacancy rate was 12.4 percent. Well, that's astounding. I mean, for my organization, if I did the math on that, you know, 12 point. 12% of a 3,400-person workforce is, a, you know, there's 360 positions that are not filled right now. Mm-hmm. And if those aren't filled and you want to get specifically aware they're not filled, I mean, we're often asked about specifically nursing uh, shortages. And if you ask me what department that's in, and then you get it right down to that level, um, I, I would say this would be very common to just about every one of my colleagues across Canada. If you ask that question and drill down that far, we'll tell you, ED nurses. I think mm-hmm. that'll echo across the country. We are struggling to recruit and retain experienced ED nurses. So that pretty well gets your attention. And suddenly mm-hmm. the question is, well, great, what do we need to do to solve that problem? And it, it, you know, and the solution isn't a single solution. It, it, it leads to the conversations we're now having provincially and nationally. It means you need to ensure you have a, a, a good funnel of new grads coming out, but new grads aren't going to solve all your problems. Secondly, you might bring retirees back. People who already had experience and are recently out of the workforce, but can come back and step in to help out. Third piece is how are you training and developing the existing ones? We're talking about immigration and how we can, you know, improve and streamline uh, our ability to find, you know, uh, you know, qualified um, candidates from around the world who may want to live and build their careers here. And, and also once they can land here, how do we streamline that to the point where they can, and all those points we can bring data to, to inform. The bigger thing we were talking about earlier was then also help to realize how many do we need? Maybe that maybe there's some design things that we can change mm-hmm. as well. So the question then takes you to, well, how are we doing with nursing across the rest of the organization? Oh, you mean we've got other units who might actually have some capacity to help out in the short term. Okay, what do we have to do to do that? Oh, we might have to work with the unions to uh, adjust the way we redeploy the workforce or reward them for that, um, for helping out in those cases. And that may lead to other conversations. So, you know, the cool part is I've just picked on one number and one stat, but we just, it led to so many conversations. And I would take, I tell you, that's an example of the conversations that are leading to recruitment, retention, immigration, uh, training and development, um, and, and completely rethinking models of care and staffing models for our organizations. That's mm-hmm. kind of revolutionizing, like COVID revolutionized for us. It's kind of broken the mold that we were in that said we can only do things certain ways. Because honestly, before COVID and before we hit this crisis, there were a lot of people who wanted to keep things exactly the same way for all sorts of different reasons and motivations, but we blew it up. You know, when you get to a point where you've got that kind of a vacancy rate, you can't just keep doing things the old way. So it's created an incredible amount of innovative thinking um, and new tools in our toolkit that I think are really going to be helpful as we try to recast um, how we deliver healthcare in this country. Thanks, Steve. Um, Tony. Yeah, I, I, you know, Steve hit the nail on the head there right it's um that the conversation that's going on um even even within provinces or or across with the federal um and the information to to government you know it's it's not just something that the healthcare um authorities or identities um, or hospitals can kind of go through and deal with on their own um because it is broader and it is it is systemic right um as Mm -hmm. as steve said you know we need to we the broader we um outside of just our own organizations need to look at um as you said how are we bringing people into the profession 
Um, none of these are quick fixes, right? How are we bringing people into into the the professions that 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 are needed? How are we incenting them to work in the areas that we need them to get to? And more importantly, as you said, Steve, how are we? Do we change the way that that we work um, going forward in a way that that still provides that best care to the patients and families? But um, just because we've 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 done it you know, with, with method A, do we keep doing that for the next 90 years? Um, I would hope not. Right. And, and I think the work that we've been doing in this uh, HR data, the HR analytics and the workforce planning side of things, especially uh, building the workforce strategies is going to provide that guidance in the path for individual organizations, as long as we keep having these conversations nationally, that that'll drive that national conversation as well, which I would hope then helps the governments, be they provincial or, or federal, um, do what they can to kind of enable those changes, be it, you know, professional regulations or post-secondary seats or mm -hmm. whatever it happens to be around that way. So. So great segue, Tony, um, in terms of, you know, so as governments are getting involved in this and, and making other sorts of announcements. So uh, in light of the announcement, so in terms of timestamping this, this podcast episode that, that came out last week on February the 7th by the PMO and Prime Minister Trudeau's um, his office made the statement that the government of Canada will provide $505 million over five years to the Canadian Institute for Health Information and Canada Health Infoway and the federal data partners to work with provinces and territories on developing new health data indicators and to support the creation of a center of excellence for health workforce data and underpin efforts to use data to improve healthcare. So we don't have a lot more information than that statement so far, but imagine, given that you're, you know, you're at the coal face of this, um, and somebody's making an offer to help or um, in this space, can we just sort of pull that those two parts of that apart a little bit and just get your thoughts and opinions on it? So the next one may be a bit rhetorical, given the course of the conversation that we've just had for the last almost hour, I think. Um, that you know, do we need a health workforce data sharing strategy? Um, and if so, why and what will it do? Um, and then maybe I, let's have that conversation first and then we can come back to the second part around the indicators piece. So um, who wants to take the first part of that? I can take a step. I think, I think the important, an important piece out of that, um, and, and we've talked about this before, uh, just just a little bit earlier as well is is creating that common language which is then having that that base um, health HR uh, uh, definitions if you will and data that we can kind of go through and then build the benchmarks and and all those tools that are going to enable that conversation um, it's 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 harder to kind of think again you know where and how that federal money that they've kind of talked about kind of feeds into all of that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if that's where some of that kind of goes, I think that's going to help 
um, build out um, everything that we've been talking about, as you said, for the last um, for the last hour or so that that needs to happen to be able to further that conversation and that collaboration across the across the country. Okay, thanks, Tony. Um, and so the second part of that question is the development of um, so-called health indicators on mm -hmm. our health workforce. So and so here's your wish, right? You get to be yeah. influential people right now. They're going to do it. What indicators do you want them to develop? Give uh, the federal government some advice here or Kai Hai. Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting conversation because it's going to start with, I think in my mind, Tony, you're probably going to the exact same place. What problem are you trying to solve? And that yeah. will dictate what kind of metrics you want to start to measure. Um, I mean, I know within my organization, we've got a scorecard, the quarterly scorecard that has, you know, 10 indicators on it. And, uh, and that's as much as we'll do. Um, there can be sub index, you know, sub indexes or sub things that we can dig into if we need to, but just that one page that we can give our board and we publish on our website uh, quarterly that tells you how we're doing on some of the big items. And some of them, you know, are really important to us. So for example, you know, we, we're gonna wanna know uh, time loss injury rate for mm -hmm. the organization. And we're gonna wanna know, um, you know, um, well, our, we have specific ones around performance reviews and, and talent uh, talent reviews to make sure that we're investing in our talent. You know, those ones, I'm, you know, the, the, the talent review ones, I'm not sure is, are, are gonna be of interest at a national level. Mm -hmm. um, the time loss injuries, there's a lot of data on that already. And I mean, uh, is that the one where you wanna spend most of your time? We might decide in healthcare that it's worth having uh, a couple of indicators. We're using, you know, uh, injury rate and durations. I would say durations may be one that I would push even over injury rate because um, when we think mm -hmm. of the health of our workforce, the mental health and wellness of it, the mm -hmm. influence of PTSD and presumptive legislation, you know, coming out of COVID, what the impacts are, uh, there, there's an enormous reason to want to maybe have a metric for the mental health and wellness uh, of our workforce and how they're doing so that we can make sure we're investing in that. Um, but some of the other ones, attrition rate, absolutely. Vacancy rates by profession, absolutely. We're going to want to yes. know because on an intervention level, um, we need to know that we've got a healthy workforce that we're producing enough people in the right roles, professions, and that if we need to turn the tap on or up or down, that we've got something that can that can do that. I mean, we talked before that we missed the boat in some form or fashion. Let's use physicians as an example. The crisis we're in today, we predicted years ago when we started shutting down seats and, and making immigration uh, rules very restrictive. It was a closed system and you could predict as people retired and as the, as the population grew and got older, that the demand in the system would grow and we were shrinking the workforce. I mean, you know, there's lots of examples where you can tell those stories. So I think we do need some of those indicators, but I would start by saying, don't jump to conclusions until you get the people in the room and have a conversation about what problems are we going to try to solve and what would be of the greatest benefit to the users to have a national um, uh, database on. 100% agree, 100% agree, Steve. Um, and and um, that's a conversation that, that we have many, many, many times, right, um, around, because you know, sometimes it does come that direction. Well, you know, what, what are we going to report? Well, what do we, what do we want to have happen, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so, so then, um, just key ones that, uh, and and very similar, and uh, it does not surprise me, Steve, that you know you're looking at very similar things um, to to what we are as well. Um, overtime is a big one um, for ours as well, just because uh, again, 
um, it's been it's been uh, uh, it's been an area that we've uh, of concern for for a while are increasing overtime rates and and why um, that tabled with the sick rates and that kind of is is speaks to the healthy um, side of it as much as uh, as the the injury and the duration side of it as well. But 100% agree with you. It's it's let's figure out you know kind of what is it that we're trying to do, trying to solve, and we can find the right measures for going through and doing that, and 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 seeing I'm, if we're making progress, right? Yeah, I mean, the other one I, I, I think we can't ignore and I really hope becomes part of the conversation is also on the social justice side and the mm. and the you know equity side. I mean, mm -hmm. we've got a Truth and Reconciliation Commission that had an, you know, a series of recommendations in the action in the call to action. And, you know, one of the questions is how we how we doing is five years out. How are we doing against those? I think we have a responsibility as as health leaders uh, to invest in that as well. So when we talk about the breakdown of some of these stats. Let's look at the health and wellness of our workforce on a race-based and, uh, you know, and, and uh, cultural background. What are we doing in the recruitment uh, and retention? Uh, you know, the talent pool that's available, when you start to think about you know, where are you going to inspire and find uh, the next doctor, nurse, medical lab tech, et cetera. I mean, we've got incredible opportunities in our indigenous and in our African Canadian communities and our new immigrants. Um, there's huge opportunities and there's been systemic barriers against those populations participating in our workforce. And as a result, you know, uh, it, you know continuing to keep the systemic biases that are built into our systems. So, you know, I think on that front, if you if, if you on top of all the other metrics we're going to want to tie into, also start making sure that we are actually measuring and trying to advance on some of the more social um, opportunities that we have. I think that's the other thing that I think will make uh, our system better. And I think we can feel real good about if uh, if we invest in those. So, you know, those would be things that, you know, uh, the Prime Minister's office is interested in. Um, we've got huge work to do with our Indigenous communities, as we know right now, mm -hmm. uh, in Canada, uh, among many, many others. So imagine your workforce is more reflective of the community and you're holding yourself to that. I mean, interesting enough, the Canadian government was the one that started the uh, Canada 5030 challenge. Um, that's from mostly at board and senior leadership levels. But what are we doing across the healthcare sector? So, I, again, I, I see the sky's the limit. Um, you know, we could dilute this by having too many metrics, but if we could focus on, you know, a, a handful of the most important and the most valuable to us as a nation to improve the healthcare system, that is an awesome conversation. I'm looking forward to having. As long as Tony, you and I, and our colleagues are there. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't want to hear. I, I don't want to hear about it from somebody who's who's not bringing. Uh, bringing the some of the background and, and, uh, and passion to that conversation yeah yeah but i think you know i mean some great wisdom and advice in terms of what you both share but i do think that the coming back to one of your earlier or earliest comments tony about um that data is just data right um it has no value unless you using it for you know i guess ultimately to to achieve action um and right because you know, quite frankly, we've been sitting on some of this data, right, already for a long time, we already knew what the average age of our doctors and nurses were heading into the pandemic, we knew that there was going to be huge numbers of retirements, right, if they weren't compelled to retire faster, that was going to happen anyways. But I don't think anybody was turning the tap on bigger, um, right, to, to overcome that. Um, Right. So I think it does, you know, the indicators could be one thing, but what we use those indicators for will surely become the most important thing out of this. So, um, 
you know, as we come to a close in terms of this conversation, maybe just leave you with uh, one sort of other, I guess, kick at the can here. Um, you know, if there was anything else that you need, right, if you were, you know, to be presented with an opportunity to speak to the federal government and, um, and, uh, and the ministers there, um, that were to offer you more help to invest in your HHR and health human resource data, um, what would you be asking for? Hmm. I'll, I'll jump in first, Steve, and then I'll give you the last yeah. word. Um, <laughs> and and, God forbid and I'm I, thinking. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm af I'm I'm afraid I'm afraid, Dale. I'm not going to say anything kind of really new in the conversation. Is what sure. I, what I'd really ask federal government or or anybody who's looking to help this is is you know as as Steve just said you know come out talk to the health authorities and and see how these levels of government can help enable these conversations and the tools that are needed for these conversations to happen across provinces across across the country so that um so that by that collaboration by that joint knowledge we can we can go and learn from each other and find solutions that are going to help uh, deal with the gap and the challenges that we're seeing right now with uh, with uh, with the health uh, healthcare workforce that we are right now. What is that specifically? Is it X dollars to this or Y dollars to to that? I think we've got some ideas, but I think we've really got to have some of that conversation. It goes back to what we were saying about metrics is what are we trying to achieve? Then we'll know where we need that that help and that resource to go. So not a solid answer, but um, that's that's kind of off off the top where I think the directional piece that we need to go. Steve? Yeah, no, Tony, that's, that's brilliant and I would agree. I mean, I think daily after the conversations we're having nationally, the fact that we've got the, you know, the federal government and the provinces having a different dialogue right now and connected by funding and other things, um, it has forced the question as to where are you investing and why and what, what, what's the ROI on these investments going to be mm -hmm. for the sake of the healthcare system. So I think the fact that we've got that avenue open now um, is going to give us an opportunity to have a different conversation about where we're trying to get to. So imagine, you know, as this, relationship evolves uh, and we've built this greater sophistication around the HHR conversation that at their annual meetings, they are actually bringing forward some apples to apples comparisons of how the yeah. workforce is doing. I think that's where the real power will come because again, you come to the table and you don't have any data or you don't have data you can actually have a meaningful conversation about and make sense of. Um, you just walk away and, and throw either throw money at things or don't throw any at the issue. Uh, I think this is going to, much better help inform the kinds of conversations and the kind of investments we make in the future with our healthcare workforce. And, and I'm hoping that, you know, we're at the beginning of sort of a new era where uh, we've, you know, we've, we've built the business case in it and, and, and folks are bought in. Now let's not squander that opportunity. Let's make sure we build the foundations to continue those conversations go forward. So again, if that's an investment in uh, the education system, the graduates that we bring in, if it improves immigration, if it improves um, you know, healthcare um, models of care, 
um, all sorts of other things. If it improves the investment research in HHR data, I mean, I'm having a conversation um, recently with uh, somebody that I was introduced to at uh, a university in another province who's his whole focus has been on on looking at um, the impact of remote work and hybrid work uh, mm-hmm. on work environments. We're having a conversation about, well, geez, I wonder what the impact of that's been in healthcare. Do we want to do some work together uh, to explore that question? And and then imagine sharing that across the country and thinking about how that might impact the design of you know virtual care and hybrid work uh, within the healthcare system. Um, so I mean, it's kind of exciting. Um, but again, back to the point Tony just made, Let's start with the conversation of what are we, where are we trying to get to, and then figure out what data will help us um, both set uh, reasonable targets and, and goals, and then tell us how we're doing on that journey. Thanks, Steve, um, and thanks, Tony. Um, I think you've provided us, I think, some really great last words as we sort of wrap this up. But, but I, I would say, I mean, it, it's interestingly, um, maybe not, and not surprisingly, I think you echo a lot of the same things that, you know, in our recent conversation with Dr. Michael Gardam, um, you know, and talking about us needing to have those conversations about what we want first, um, right, and establishing right a, a vision for that before we start making, I guess, the the tweaks and the and the investments in some of these spaces as well, um, and that ultimately it's it is going to start with communication and cooperation, um, and I think both of you have made that uh, explicitly clear in everything that you've shared here. So thank you both. Um, for sharing so much of your experience. I hope that uh, as an outcome of this, that you have converted others to become curious about their health human resource data um, and to follow in your uh, great footsteps. So again, thanks for the conversation today and uh, wish you both very well. Thank you, Dale. Thank you, Dale. You've been listening to the HQ and I'm Dale Sherbeck, your host. You can find this and other future episodes on the CHA Learning website, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. We'd love to hear what you think, so please follow us on our other social media channels. Thanks for joining us in this discussion today. Please join us next time.